Tony, a whole lot of people starting to arrive now. So hi and welcome to our Great Managers Masterclass on the secrets to eliminating your bad habits so they don't kill your career. And what I'm going to show you in this masterclass will increase your knowledge and understanding about habits and how they contribute to your success. And this is not just at work, it's in life as well. And it's also going to give you some science-backed data about what works and what doesn't in relation to habits and some time-tested techniques techniques to break bad and turn bad habits into good ones. So get ready to take some good notes because in the session today I'm going to cover three very useful things. First of all it'll be around the science, around habits and how habits work so that you really understand them fully. We'll talk about the kind of habits that kill the careers and reputations of managers and I'll be using a few different sources of research here around this as well as the habits that will make you a star. And we'll also focus today on how to turn a bad habit into a good one in a way that sticks. So I'm going to give you a framework for understanding habits and how to create habits intentionally. So let's have a look at how habits form. So I want you to think of your brain like an onion. We all know what an onion looks like. And your brain is composed of layer upon layer of cells. And the outside layers, those closest to your scalp, are the more recent additions in terms of evolution. And that's where our most complex thinking occurs. And deep inside the brain and closer to the brain stem, where the brain meets the spinal column, they're the older, more primitive parts of the brain. So like the, set, the center part of the onion there. And these parts of the brain control automatic behaviors such as breathing or swallowing and our startle response. And towards the center of the brain, there's this golf ball size, sized lump of tissue called the basal ganglia. And scientists didn't understand this very well at all until recently. And the basal ganglia is central to recalling patterns and acting upon them. So that the basal ganglia stores your habits and then converts a sequence of actions into an automatic routine. And this frees up brain power so you can do lots of things without a lot of effort. It's, a, it's what we call an effort-saving instinct. It's actually quite brilliant. So Charles Duick, he's quite well known. He wrote a book called The Power of Habit. It was a book that sold over 2 million copies. He describes what's called the habit loop in his book. So he says that habits work like this. When I see a certain cue, I will do a certain routine in order to get a reward. So let's talk about this a little bit more. So first there's a cue or a trigger that tells your brain to go into automatic mode and which habit to use. And then there's the routine, which can be physical or mental or emotional. So it might even be the way you think about something, a thinking habit. And finally, there's a reward, which helps your brain figure out if this particular loop is worth remembering for the future. And over time, this loop, this cue, routine, reward loop becomes more and more automatic. And the cue and reward become intertwined until a powerful sense of anticipation and craving starts to emerge. So here are some examples of habit loops. So lots of people love to run and they talk about getting addicted to it becomes a habit. And they, they might have a craving for in, that endorphin rush that comes from the run or even that feeling of satisfaction. So their cue to go running would be seeing their running shoes and then they do their routine. It might be a certain time of the day that they run and that sort of thing. And then they'll get that reward, either that accomplishment or they might even win a race or something like that. And here's another example. 
You know, you might be alone at night, perhaps sitting on the lounge where it's all comfortable, feeling a bit lonely, and you're looking for some, there's a craving for something pleasant. So you might have a little snack on a pack of Doritos or something, and you get that instant gratification, the nice flavor in your mouth, and that's the reward. I certainly do like Doritos. (laughs) But we are all creatures of habit. And our habits are not our destiny. This is an important point. They can be ignored. They can be changed or replaced. But once a habit is formed, the brain stops fully participating in decision making. So changing a habit takes a bit of effort. And unless you find new routines, the pattern will automatically unfold. So simply understanding how habits work and learning the structure of the habit loop, this makes them easier for us to control. The problem is your brain can't tell the difference between a good habit and a bad one. It's always lurking there waiting for the right cues and rewards. So this is why it can be so hard to create, um, for example, like exercise habits, because as human beings, we like comfort. And once we've developed a routine of sitting on the lounge eating a bag of Doritos, well, our brain and habit system will work against us because we love the comfort and we love that instant gratification. However, once your new routine is established, it becomes as automatic as the old one. So it's all about replacing your routines with new ones. So to modify a a habit, the first thing you do is decide to change it and believe you can change it. So thinking about one bad habit that you might want to change or something maybe that you've even had feedback from someone you trust about where you've been told um, by someone else. And then you have to have some emotion associated with the change. So you need to find the feeling because emotions provide the energy you need for the change. So you actually need to focus on that emotion, what would, you know, what's in it for you, what would you get, that thing that will drive the change for you. Now let's have a look at our framework here. So once you've decided about the change and believe you can do it, then using um, self-awareness to identify the cues and rewards. So you've got to consciously accept the hard work of identifying the cues and rewards that drive the habits, routines, and then find alternatives. So first of all, you identify the routine. And the routine is the most obvious aspect of most habits because it's the behavior you want to change. So you must also know that you have control and be self-aware enough and conscious enough to use your control. You've got that available to you. The next thing you want to do is identify the rewards. So you have to find what this habit gives you and what are you craving for. Rewards are powerful because they're satisfying a craving of some sort, but we're often not conscious of the cravings that drive our behaviors. So play around with the rewards, and this might take a few days or longer. And I want you to think about yourself as a scientist in a data collection stage where you're sort of working out what might be driving this, what's the reward I'm getting from that? Because every person's habits are driven by different cravings. So for, say example, I'm going to use some simple examples because that we can all relate to. Say you wanted to stop, stop snacking at work. Say you every afternoon at three o'clock or four o'clock, you just think I've got to have a snack. Experiment with what the craving might be there. Are you actually hungry or are you bored or do you need a distraction? Do you actually need to stretch your legs because you've been sitting down for a while? Do you need to interact with others? Or maybe you even want some fresh air. So experiment with rewards by trying out different things. Perhaps go for a walk around the block or even talk with a colleague and see whether the craving for the food goes. So the point is to test different hypotheses to determine which craving is driving your routine. 
And by experimenting with different rewards, you can actually isolate what you are really craving. And that's pretty essential now in, in redesigning the habit. So the next thing you want to do is identify the cues. What is the trigger? What's triggering the behavior? And experiments have shown that habits um, fall, all habits fall into one of five, what we call cue categories. The first one is location. So the habit is associated with a location. You might do this habit at a particular time, you know, like sitting on the lounge and eating Doritos, you know, that's, that might be a location thing where the lounge reminds you of that, or it might be a work-based thing or something you do in a particular location. It could be a time thing. So for example, do you eat breakfast at seven o'clock because you're hungry or simply because it's seven o'clock and that's what you're used to. It could be an emotional state. So it could be a feeling and, and that drives the particular behavior, you know. So when people are anxious, they're likely to do something in particular as a habit. And some people might eat more when they're tired or anxious. And it could be related to other people. That could be the cue. So you might have friends that trigger certain habits in you where whenever you're with them, there's this craving to do a particular thing. Or it might be the immediately preceding action. So even when we talked about learning about mindfulness, we talked about the best way to, to make that a habit is to attach it to an existing habit. So often those preceding actions will trigger something in us. So our habits can be stitched into our environment as well as into our brain. So once you've figured out your habit loop, you've identified the reward driving your behavior and the cue triggering it and the routine itself, you can begin to shift the behavior you can change to a better routine by planning for the cue and choosing a behavior that delivers the reward you are craving. And what you need to do this is a plan. So when you're wanting to change a, a behavior, you need to be very specific. So for example, if you want to get fit, it's not just about saying to yourself, I want to get fitter. It's about booking your exercise into your diary, like a very important appointment. It's about leaving your clothes out the night before. It's about exercising with a friend, perhaps. It's about setting yourself up to succeed in this organized, planned out way. And making change with others in a supportive group helps enormously. And a lot of you are doing your great managers work together in a group because it really will help you with the change because your odds of success go up dramatically when you commit to changing as a part of a group, even just with two people makes a huge difference. So according to Charles Duick, you can keep the cue and reward, but just insert a new routine and do it until it becomes a habit. Because remember, habits are things that allow us to do something with difficulty the first time, but very soon we do it with more and more ease. And with sufficient practice, we do it automatically with hardly any effort at all. Changing habits might not be fast and it isn't always easy, but with time and effort, almost any habit can be reshaped. Some habits might be more difficult to change than others, particularly habits that have been around for a very long time. But this framework that I've just given you is a really good place to start. It does require repeated experiments and possibly even some failures here and there, but don't give up. Once you understand how a habit operates, once you diagnose the cue, the routine and the reward, you gain power over it. So I'd like you to think now about a habit that you would like to stop. So you might even want to write that down for yourself. And then we'll talk about three factors that you've got to work with.